Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie. Your host, Charlie Papillo. Happy to be here with you today on this, uh, this Monday that many people consider or have suggested that it should be a holiday because of, uh, Super Bowl and a lot of, uh, um, people that, you know, too much to eat, too much to drink, too much yelling and screaming. I still have my voice. I wasn't yelling and screaming at the TV. Only at the halftime show. We'll talk more about that coming up later on. Uh, first off, I've got to give a shout out to a gentleman uh, that I just met at Maxie's Restaurant here in Waterbury. Now, typically my executive producer, uh, Brad Ferlin, and I go there after the show. We went there before the show today. Busy, busy place uh, at uh, 1130, quarter of uh, 12. And and uh, gentleman uh, next to us uh, sitting at the bar. You know, that's the cool thing about sitting at the bar. You always meet somebody and start ta- chat- chatting with them. And he said, give me a shout out. I'm driving back to Virginia. So Walt, uh, safe travels back to Virginia today uh, and traveling with Charlie here on WDEV. Nice to meet you today. A quick uh, shout-out to my sponsors. This show would not happen without uh, our sponsors. Of course, Jolly Convenience Stores, uh, Casella Waste Systems, and Milne Travel. And, of course, my new sponsor, Myers Bagels Cafe in Burlington. Uh, they're at 377 Pine Street and going to be moving to another location. They'll have both locations, another one on Shelburne Road. And when they do that coming up shortly, they're going to have pizza there along with their delicious wood-fired bagels. All right. Today's lineup on the show Aaron Galemore, Galemore is going to be joining me today. Yeah, that's a very familiar name uh, for those of you here in Vermont, uh, the son of John Galemore. He's the founder of BrassrootsFood.com, and he was recently on the ABC TV show Shark Tank pitching his product for sponsorship. We'll uh, hear what uh, that was like. We're going to have some Super Bowl 57 discussion, open phone lines coming up towards the end of the program. Not about the game, as I mentioned. Come on, we'll save that for Brady uh, Farkas later on today. We'll be talking food and halftime show and commercials. But my first guest today, and John's looking at me like, come on, let's get with it. My first guest, former legislator, former executive director of the Flynn. He's an author, dancer, and artist. Won't you please welcome John Kalaki to Travels with Charlie. Good afternoon, John. Well, thank you, Charlie. It's it's really great to be here with you again. It's Over the years, I've uh, been in the studio with you a couple times, and I've loved it. You're well, a great guy. Thank and you. we've always enjoyed having you on. Certainly, uh, you, you wear as many hats, I guess, as, as I've worn in my career, and we'll get into some of that with you and talk about your art, of course. Uh, but first... Uh, two terms in the legislature. Now, when you were a guest on my previous program, of course, you were executive director of the Flynn. Uh, and then, you know, that wrapped up and and you moved into the legislature only for two terms. So I have to ask you, why not a little bit longer? 
And you, you left on your own. Let's all point that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did leave on my own. Uh, it, and, you know, it was a profound experience for me. It was incredible to go from running the, the Flynn and my whole life had been in, in the arts and running institutions and working in foundations. And then at the age of 68, becoming a beginner again. Yeah. It was amazing. And I uh, learned so much. It was a huge responsibility. But after two terms, I t- was turning 70. And, you know, I think a citizen legislature, it's really important that younger people get in to the game. Yeah. And people who are not just retired and who can afford to do this yep. because the pay is pretty terrible. And well, you, you bring up a whole other area, and I don't I don't want to spend a lot of time on the legislature today, but uh, since you brought it up, John, John Kalaki, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, um, there's a lot of discussion about raising the pay. Um, you know, maybe you make it a full-time gig and and give everyone a raise, or you, you make it a shorter period of time. But the point that you make, there, it's a lot of retired people or people that ha- are well-to-do, and they can do that. But a citizen legislature, how do you do it if you're, you know, the regular guy? It's like, i got to take off from my job for the next three months. Most people can't do that. Well, in the two terms I served, a lot of young people came in and they ran and they won their races. And then it's like, oh, I don't see my family from Monday through Thursday Mm -hmm. and I go home on Friday night and I'm only bringing in $15,000 a year and there's no health insurance. And if the kid gets sick, what do I do? Yeah, you can't do it. Right. So uh, people left, you know, and so I think, I think there should be term limits. Yeah. And not, not just two terms, I'd say maybe six to 10 years and then everybody should go away. Yeah. And it should be this continual turnover because sometimes people get entrenched. And, you know, if people haven't run their own businesses and they're in the legislature a very right. long time, they actually forget what a bottom line is yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And so I, I just thought I wanted to do this for service. And should it be more money, though? Should it be? Yeah. 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 You know, working in the artistic uh, area, it seems, you know, and then, of course, uh, executive director of the Flynn, and people are like, oh, wow, he's at the Flynn. Uh, but you're not doing a whole lot of artistic stuff. You're, you're writing grants and asking for money. Um, well, was our, that our difficult? budget at the Flynn was $7.5 million a year. So uh, the truth is every day I asked someone for money. Yeah. Every day I was raising money. And then on June 30th, we hit the bottom line. July 1st, it started all over again in the yeah. new fiscal year. And it was like picking up the phones again and saying, thank you for that last month. And could you help us this month? Uh, it was. Is that hard to do? No. Y- no. Because no? I wasn't asking for myself. Yeah. I was asking for, like, the school access programs for the kids who couldn't afford to come yeah. to student matinees to come. And, you know, we, we, we about 20% of the kids who came came for free because yeah. of that. Or we gave tickets out to social service agencies for folks who couldn't sure. afford a ticket. Because, you know, I wanted everybody to belong there. Yeah. But the artists weren't taking a, a cut in fees for our access yeah. programs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to pay the artists, but right. I wanted to make sure our community would come in. Yeah. So it was – it actually was easy to do. Yeah. So, uh, John Kalaki, my guest this afternoon, John is uh, is an artist and uh, has an intermedia installation at JAM, which is the Junction Arts in Media uh, in White River Junction. 
Let's talk a, a little bit about that, John. Well, th- we had a we had an opening on uh, Saturday night, and that place is happening down there. The Jam Space is new. They've just moved in, in in June, and it was a community access station, and they took over the little opera house next door and the White River Film Festival. So it's all about media for them. And they did a call out for artists to do installations in their worker space. So I sent in three of my videos and uh, they said, sure, let's do this. And it was just a blast. Everybody was into it. And it's right by two nice restaurants in Bright River Junction. So people were like walking by and they see this strange little video of water running down my chin. And they thought, what's going on in there? Can we come in? And some people were just kind of walking in and uh, these you know, we're just three of my most recent works. Now, how do people observe something like that? Because if you walk in and you've got one of your uh, exhibits on, and one of them's three minutes long, one of them's 14 minutes long, and you walk in at the seven-minute mark, you've kind of missed most of it. Uh, uh, are there, like, you know, showings? We're going to be showing the, you know, flux in just a moment to stay tuned. How does that work? No, you just you just kind of runs. It, yeah. when it, and it keeps – it's on a loop, so yeah. it continues. Yeah. So if you're interested, it's okay. You know, I, I'm used to in museums, people – even in the, the great paintings, people go visit – you literally stop and see them for about 20 seconds. Yeah. And, and literally, that's when they when they track people yeah. and then move on to the next piece. So I, I think it's part of it is that this is supposed to be like a multi-sensory thing. Mm-hmm. And they put the water dripping thing on the wall. And then I had a, a piece to, um, with another uh, Eiko Otake talking to our mothers who had yeah. passed away and then – have this conceptual piece with the Yoko Ono homage to those kinds of artists from the 60s. And it, it was like a, just a visual collage. You could land wherever you wanted to. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. Uh, three video pieces, as you mentioned, John, including the premiere of one called Flux, which I told you before we went on the air today. Still trying to understand it. As you know, my son is an artist, and, and I sent him a link, and I said, you got to watch this and, and let me know what you think so I can sort of explain it to John. And, and he got it. You know, the first thing he told me, he said was, uh, oh, it's art for artists. Uh, and then he mentions Yoko Ono, which just, you know, blew me away because these are all things that you've talked about. Um, and if you could explain it a little more for our listeners, obviously this is a, a listening medium. It's not a visual medium. So um, if I can explain that uh, video, there, there are a number of props in there. You had a violin, a metronome, a desk, piece of chalk. Uh, apparently you made some plaster of Paris, which you actually mixed uh, during this video. And I'd asked you... Uh, if those, if that was a series of your books uh, that you had had written, uh, and it was, and you kind of set them up in the plaster of Paris, and I'm after this is all done, I'm still going, what the heck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, that's a great response to it, Charlie, because that's the whole reason to do it. The, 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 I love these these artists who banded together in the early 60s, they called themselves Fluxus, and they were just really anti-elitist, and they took everyday objects from life, and they just did small little gestures, maybe one gesture with them. And like Yoko Ono did uh, films, and she did one with just opening her eye. It's called Eye Blink. And then she did another one with lighting a match and just watching it. And you lit a match. So what I did is I took these... These people like that, uh, 12 different artists, and I 
took their performance score, what they said, like when Yoko said, light a match and, you know, watch it till it goes out. Yeah. I didn't try to do what she did in her film. I just did it my own way, my own very crazy way. Um, you mentioned chalk. Lamont Young did a piece called uh, Draw a Line and Follow It, and anybody could do it any way they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to draw my chalks on the table. And the, the thing about it is most of these artists – they were a pretty wild group. Most of them didn't stay together as fluxes. They all yeah. went on to their own things. Um, and there's very little objects from that time. But what they did for me was they tried to break down the elitism of art. And it's like, no, 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 everyday objects. And it's, if you work on the process, it's just a process piece. So, you know, for me, it was like a Zen meditation. Mm. And there's, there is no meaning to it. I was waiting for the punchline. You know, it was like a TikTok video and I'm watching and I'm going, there's got to be a, pu-, and there's no punchline. It just ends. And I said, oh, you know, the entertainer in me, I guess, looking for the punchline. Well, you're looking for a happy ending, Charlie. It's, just, it's, you know, life just goes on and it's, it's not really quite linear, but it goes on somehow. Now, flow is an older piece and, and I had seen that before. Um, it's about three minutes long. It's yeah. a close-up of your face. That is yours. Um, basically, neck area mostly. You don't see your eyes. Right. And I guess we assume that you're crying. There are There's water coming down, and it's tears. And I remember talking with you about this video before. And it is very moving because I'll let you tell exactly what it is you're trying to convey. And once you hear that, you, you definitely get it. Well, I, it's... You know, some people think it's whimsical, and some people think it's sad. Yeah. Uh, I saw it more as kind of a – I had an exhibition at Champlain College Gallery of my earlier videos, AIDS videos and disability videos, and they were pretty dramatic and severe. So I wanted something that was like a, a purification of all the angst and just let it, let it be. Uh, but the fun thing about these things is people can see them for whatever they want. To see, and that, right. in a way, you make these works like flux or flow. These pieces, yep. and the audience defines what they are. Yeah, there's no right or wrong, right? I, no, yeah, I'm just yeah. glad you're engaging in it. Yeah, and, and exactly. I mean, that's what an artist tries to do. They try to engage uh, their, uh, you know, the people that are looking at it, and and it brings up a reaction. Whether for me, it's a reaction like what the heck is he doing, or uh, with with flow, there was a reaction there. For me, it was a sad. Reaction. I saw sadness in that, and somebody can see that as something different. It's like he's laughing so hard that he's crying. <laughs> yes. uh, but but it, that was not there. That was not there. John no. Kalaki is my guest uh, this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Uh, we've got another video that we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm saving the best for last. Uh, I, I, this one really did move me, and we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. And we'll take this break. We'll be right back here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin.
All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to John on this one if he can uh, name that tune. <laughs> Warren Zevon. Oh, I can't. No, no, no. Lawyers, guns, and money. Okay. <laughs> yes, there you go. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie. John Kalaki, my guest this afternoon. We're talking about but, but Charlie. I come from the avant-garde. <laughs> Music is silence. Okay, John Cage, four minutes of silence. Okay, <laughs> dripping water. It's in my video. It's all about sound. All right, so Corm- what's that? What, what was that thing we just played? Okay. Ne- next breaker, we just have silence uh, coming back. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can set the silence sensor off here at the, the Travels with Charlie. Hey, I want to give. A shout out, of course, uh, to my my latest uh, sponsor, and I've been friends with everybody at Myers Bagels uh, Cafe in Burlington for years. When they're on Main Street in Burlington, when Lloyd was there, they're at 377 Pine Street in Burlington. Montreal style, hand rolled, wood fired bagels. These are the real deal. Delicious sandwiches and smoked meats, flavored cream cheeses, and wonderful pastries too. If you haven't been in for uh, to their uh, to the to their cafe for their babka. They got chocolate and cinnamon babka right now. And I'm very excited about their new location that they're going to be opening up hopefully towards the end of this month. And then within a month, they're going to be doing wood-fired pizza along with their bagels. And it's going to be on Shelburne Road in Burlington. That's coming up soon. But right now, 377 Pine Street in Burlington, open from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily with breakfast and lunch sandwiches. Really creative menu. You know, they, they do their own smoked brisket um, and some just some great sandwiches like the, the Conquistador with fried eggs, chorizo, red onion, avocado, cheddar, and sriracha. MyersBagels.com. You can also order them online. They'll ship them to you. They're on Facebook and Instagram. MyersBagelsBTV. MyersBagels Cafe in Burlington, 377 Pine Street. And back now with John Kalaki. We're talking with John about his latest installation at Jam and White River Junction. By the way, John, if people want to find out more information about your art, where do they go for that? Well, you can go to my website, johnkalaki.com, or, you know, Junction Arts and Media has a nice – they do lots of different things, and I'm on their site because I'm there. The installation's there for the whole month, and it's available – uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five. Anybody can stop in. Great. Uh, they they welcome people to come in. And they can also see your videos online, your art online. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned, saving the best for last. I thought that elegies, uh, the video that's at Jam, um, as you know, art should should impact and be relatable. And in this one, I mean, who can't relate to it? You're talking about death. You're speaking to your mom, yeah. who passed away, giving a eulogy. And you also brought in Aiko Atake, who was a friend of yours, and she does a eulogy to her mom. And I'll let you explain a little more. It it, it certainly well, conveyed it, uh, that feeling of what if somebody could talk to their mom or their dad or a loved one that had passed away, what would they say? And you you just seemed like you, it was right off the cuff. I you know I don't know how much of that you had written down or memorized. Well, Aiko and I are. Longtime friends. I've known her for maybe 30 years, and she's primarily been a dancer. And we were at a memorial service of a friend of ours out at Jacob's Pillow um, in the Berkshires. And she had wanted to start something new in her life as a now 60-something-old dancer. Uh, and she wanted to do the duets program where she worked with people in other mediums and outside of dance because she just wanted to stretch herself and see what could happen. So she said, "Let's. I like your films, uh, John. Why don't we make a film together? 
I was like, well, Aiko, I, I was a dancer in my 20s. I don't yeah. dance anymore. <laughs> and she, she knew that. But she said, no, no, I don't know what we'll do. Um, so I said, okay, well, we'll just see if an idea lands. Yeah. And then later in the day, she had just come back from Japan. Her mother had just passed away. And she said, oh, I, I'll send you the, the eulogy I did for my mom at the funeral. And she pulled it up and read it to me. It was very beautiful. And I said, well, you know, Eiko, I actually wrote something about my mom years ago that I've never found a use for. So I'll send it to you, and we'll see. Maybe this could be this thing of working together. Mm. So we worked on it together. We uh, Vermont Public and there's old studios in Colchester. We just went there in the morning with Brian Stevenson, and we shot it. We were pretty clear how we wanted it shot. Did you and shoot it in black and white? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we, well, it's in color with most of the color drained because mm -hmm. Brian felt the black and white would make it a little too silvery. Um, so he, he was great at that. And so we made it in 2019, and it was just this small piece talking to our mothers. Yeah. And as it then came into the world, you know, these things take a little while to after they're finished, yeah. COVID was happening. And everybody could, couldn't say goodbye to their mother or their grandma yeah. or whatever. And so it had a different meaning yeah. than what Aiko and I thought. Yeah. And then we were invited um, in Minneapolis. We were invited months before to screen this piece. And it was the Friday night in May. And it was the week George Floyd had been murdered. Yeah. And while we were screening it, Aiko was in Japan and I was here. We were on Zoom. And you could hear the helicopters going over the the site that this was being screened. And it was so for that audience, because when George Floyd died, his last things he said, he was crying out for his mother. Yeah. So, and that happened again most recently. Yes. Yeah. Of course, you know, well, with what's happened in Memphis recently. Yeah. And so what's interesting to me, we were, we were talking about this before the break, is that you make these works – and then you put them out in the world, but the world defines what they are. Right. You know, so it's constantly changing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm grateful that that you related to that piece. It's been on uh, Vermont PBS for three years now. It's it's been running, with, and so I get emails from people yeah. talk, but they don't talk about the piece. They talk about the grandma. Exactly, yeah, and that's exactly what it did. You, yeah. you you watch that, and you start thinking about somebody that had passed away, and and how you so put it uh, together so well, and thinking that I wonder if I could do that and say something about somebody that I've lost. Uh, uh, and it's 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 done very well. It certainly uh, it was very moving. Uh, by the way, if you want to see johnkalaki.com or it's at uh, the uh, the Jam Center in uh, in White River Junction. That's going on throughout the month. Uh, that's five South Main Street in White River Junction. Uh, what's next for John Kalaki? I, I know that you also you have a little pony, right? I was I was mucking the stall this morning, yeah. and uh, luckily the ice wasn't frozen in the bucket, so I didn't have to <laughs> chop up the ice. Winter's challenging. There's a horse, uh, my little Shetland pony, but there's 30 horses at the farm, and it's it's, it's so it's my happy place. You go there, and you all just talk about your horses. You don't talk about what you do outside or anything. Mm. It's it's great. So I do that every day. I try to do my little yoga every day. I don't know what's next. I you know I this piece, this new piece, the flux piece um, from. White River Junction is going to move to a gallery in um, 
Brattleboro for a month. And so it's, it's going to have its own little life. And so I follow that a little bit. And I, I don't always know what my next thing's going to be. A true artist. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And you also have a book called uh, Because Art. Yes. Somewhat a memoir, but, um, a guidebook for anyone presenting, producing, practicing, or studying art. So, you know, this art for artists. Okay. Now, wait a minute. I never said that about the book. Someone else did. Okay. I want to make sure that. All right. So, is it, would you say that's a correct, uh, I'm happy someone thought that. Yeah. Um, You don't think, it wasn't written that way. No. you know, no. it's it's a compilation of 56 pieces I've written. Okay. So some of them are kind of here's strategy yeah. for the nonprofit. Yeah. Some are interviews with uh, artists like Tony Kushner, who wrote Angels in America. There's a long interview with him. There's one with the choreographer Trisha Brown talking about working with the painter Robert Rauschenberg. And then the center of the book's reviews of mm. artists that I've known. Many of them have died. And it's also featured in Flux. If you look close enough, you can zoom in. You can see it. he's putting it in a, a pile of I plaster made it into Paris. a sculpture. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I, I, reuse. Yeah, I have always to ask reuse you, and repurpose. I have to ask you, John, I've never asked you this question before. Uh, I've known you for many years, uh, you know, as a dancer, as a, a executive director with the Flynn Theater. And know that uh, you had a situation in your life where you were you were paralyzed and you came through that, but that sort of changed your life. If you had not gone through that, might we? Where would John Kalaki be today? Would you be a choreographer to the stars? I mean, what would you know, Dancing with the Stars? Uh, who knows? <laughs> well, you know, it happened a long time ago. It was 1996, and yeah. I was paralyzed from the neck down from surgery. I had a tumor inside my spinal cord, and it was pretty dramatic. I, I'd stopped dancing by then, but I was a marathon runner. And, you know, the day before surgery, I uh, ran five miles. And then 12 hours later, I wake up, and I'm stuck in a body that wow. I – so it was probably the most unimaginable thing that could happen. I'm really lucky, though, Charlie, that I had been a dancer as a young kid because I don't have any sensation in my legs. And in those early days, they would pick me up out of the bed, move me to the wheelchair, and then roll me into rehab where I was supposed to, like, try to move my finger or something. Yeah. It was pretty dire. But after a couple of weeks, some motion came back in my right hand and then my right arm, and and they had to, they had to keep transferring me. And I said, you know, bring the bars over here and bring a mirror over. I think I can learn to stand up visually. And like, visually? What are you talking about? Uh-huh. And I said, well, I, I know my legs can't feel anything, but I think I can figure this out. And so they said, well, the mirror's backwards, you know. And I said, yeah, I was a dancer. <laughs> we rehearsed. We learned the steps and then we had to rehearse. So, and I said, what would have got to lose? Yeah. So, so Literally, they, it worked. Put, they put braces on my yeah. legs. I stood up and I thought, okay, this is what it means now to stand up. And, wow. you know, we're, we're walking along the street and I still stumble a bit. I walk with a cane, yeah. but I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have walked again with, if I hadn't wow. been a dancer as a kid. Well, and, you know, I'm, it's been so long ago. I, I feel like I've had the most blessed life mm. and there are many gifts in having to slow down. Mm. And, and who knows what's next? And you can't hurry up because you know you, you just 
draw that line and follow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, johnkalaki.com for more information. johnkalaki.com at the uh, the jam uh, throughout the month. 5 South Main Street in White River Junction. If you want to see the videos that we've discussed this afternoon and see what uh, your thoughts are on them. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Great to see you again. Oh, it's It's been a, a trip. It's been great. Thank you very much. Wonderful to see you. Yep. Thank okay. you, John. All right, coming up next, Shark Tank contestant Aaron Galmore joins me right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. A little ACDC. Let's get uh, that blood uh, flowing this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me here today. Open phone lines coming up uh, after my next guest. We're going to be talking about Super Bowl, of course. Uh, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. And welcome to Travels with Charlie. This is the first time I think I've had a father and son. Uh, not, dad's not joining me, but Aaron Galmore, the founder of Brass Roots. He's an entrepreneur and he joins me on phone line from New Orleans. Good afternoon, Aaron. How you doing? Hey, Charlie, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So nice to have you. Uh, you know, of course, many, you know, when people hear the name Galemore, they automatically think, well, that's got to be that. Yeah, that's uh, John's son. Uh, you graduated uh, from from schools right here. You went to school here from Elmore, but you moved to uh, to Louisiana. How did that all come about, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. I, so 18 years of my life in Vermont and went to Peel's Academy for high school. And then uh, I guess the way I tell it is I, I started rolling south and just kept rolling. <laughs> I, <laughs> you don't like cold I, weather, I take it. Apparently not. I <laughs> love the winter and snow. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, went to school in Boston after high school and then lived in New York City and then uh, – found my wife, who's from New Orleans, and we moved here. Hmm. So uh, Aaron Galemore, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie Aaron, was recently uh, a contestant on Shark Tank, the ABC TV show, and we're going to talk with him about uh, about that, what that what that was all like. Well, but first, um, Aaron, tell us about your company and the food product that you had that you were pitching to the uh, to the hosts there. Yeah, so it's called, uh, the brand name is called Brass Roots, Brass with a B. Um, and uh, we are, um, I like to say, pioneering an ingredient called the Sacha Inchi Seed, which literally means the Incan peanut. Um, so you eat it just like a nut, but it's better for you. So even compared to an almond, it's got more protein and fiber and healthy omega-3 fats. Um, and it's free of those uh, tree nut and peanut allergens. So it's school safe, um, and then that's kind of those two reasons are why um, I'm really excited about it. In addition to its taste, and so we sell the roasted seeds themselves. You eat them just like you'd eat a roasted peanut or a roasted almond, yeah. and then we sell such inchy butter, just like peanut butter. So, how did you find out about this, Aaron? When did you become so interested in uh, in nutrition specifically? 
Well, um, I got into nutrition before I started the company. Um, and actually, my, my father um, was diagnosed with heart disease about a little over 10 years ago. And it's something that runs in my family. He's, he's doing just fine. Um, but he had to take a closer look at his diet. We all kind of did. And, and um, uh, I also have celiac disease. Um, so I, I, you know, it's an autoimmune condition where you, you can't eat gluten. Um, and diabetes runs in my family as well. So I just have this, I, I, I kind of acquired this real interest in how food affects us and affects our health. Um, and then uh, I've been in the industry now. I had a prior snack food business that I started with a friend and, and, um, and through that business came across the Sacha Inchi seed and decided to make a business around it. Now, did you actually travel to Thailand? I know that you source uh, some of your product from Thailand. Did you travel there? We do, but I, you know, I haven't been able to go because of COVID, actually. It's only recently has it opened up. It kind of had a little bit of a, I would say, a delayed pandemic there in a way. Mm -hmm. And so even as things opened back up in the U.S., I still couldn't go, but uh, that's in my near-term plans for sure. Mm. Aaron Gilmore, my guest this afternoon, uh, he was a recent uh, contestant on on Shark Tank, uh, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255 if you have a question for Aaron this afternoon. Well, tell us about uh, the show appearance, Aaron. How does something like that happen? Did they contact you? Did you contact them? How does it all work? Yeah, so um, there is a huge um, uh, application process that they broadcast to everybody every year. Um, you know, cast kind of a casting process. In our instance, we, um, you know, they found out about us through a trade show and saw that we were done, doing something truly unique. You know, most people haven't heard of the Sacha Inchi seed, yeah. and uh, so they reached out to us. And then, um, you know, took 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 some time. It's it's quite a, an application process where you're. Um, you're, you know, you have to pitch yourself, you have to pitch the business. Um, and, uh, and, and so fast forward, uh, you know, a year and a half later, we, we aired. So even before you get to, to meet the actual host of the program, I'm sure you're going through a number of producers. You're, you're, uh, putting together some sort of a pitch a video that you have to send to them. They see something, they, they kind of like it. Uh, uh, when you were eventually on the program, of course, uh, from New Orleans, you, you showed up in kind of uh, New Orleans style, and I, I, I imagine that they they sort of liked that. Had you given them an indication that if you were on the show, you'd you'd be doing something like that? Well, you're you're right about the process. We do go through um, different pitch options with the different producers, um, and you know we talk through all the um, uh, um, you know and, and kind of fine tune it. Um, and that's even before you are are picked to shoot it. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, you're correct in that, but yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the, it's a very authentic show in, in the sense that the sharks have no idea who is about to step onto the stage when that happens. You don't meet um, them, uh, so, ahead of time. Not, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. It's, they're very good about that. I think that's why the show has been so successful. You know, it's, it's real and it's authentic and you get one take. There's no script. Yeah. So is, is it number one, intimidating to do something like that? And, and number two, I can't imagine, you know, pitching a product, well, specifically to somebody like Mark Cuban. Uh, I, I mean, that's, that for me would be very intimidating. Uh, you did it. You seem to be calm, cool and collected. Well, the, okay, so the, the nice thing about the little performance at the beginning is, um, is that it, it loosens everybody up 
including me. Yeah. And, and that helped a ton. The thing I was definitely most nervous about was the performance itself, that first two minutes, um, because there was choreography and timing and, and even step counting. And I was throwing beads and, yeah. um, and not to mention I was throwing beads to, you know, like you said, Mark Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hit him. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. And thankfully my dad, you know, my dad coached me. I mean, my dad, you know, I don't have his voice, but I've got a good enough ear and he helped, he helped with that. And he, uh-huh. he, you know, little tips like, you know, um, uh, sing to the fake audience in the back, not in the front, but imagine you're in an auditorium and sing to the people in the, in the far back part of the auditorium. And, and so he was helpful. Well, great advice, obviously, uh, from your dad, uh, John Galemore, who's been entertaining, singing, and writing for basically his entire life. Um, Aaron, are you at all musically inclined? Do you play an instrument? Uh, do you, would you like to entertain or not? Yeah, I, I, you know, I really do enjoy it. I, I am not anywhere near as talented at any of it as my dad is. But um, I think I inherited, we all inherited his ear because we were just surrounded by music our, our entire lives. Yeah. So I, I do imagine every once in a while, another life where I, <laughs> where, where I uh, join a band or was a lead singer or something like that. I play the guitar. I just don't play it very well. Ah, okay. One day I hope to, I hope to be there one day. Yeah. Well, well, Aaron, you, you asked for what, $400,000 in exchange for what, 7% of your company. And you were turned down. Want to tell us how that felt when that happened? Yeah. I mean, you know, I had, um, I had reasonable expectations because I knew I was, um, you know, I wasn't giving them 30% of the company, you know, and I was asking for a decent amount of money. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I felt the company was worth. And, um, I, I didn't want to offer them a deal that I would regret. Yeah. Um, I'll put it that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so getting turned down, it's not as if I was, um, I wasn't going to let myself get too bent out of shape about it. Um, you know, as long as I went on and, and I said what I had rehearsed and, and thought about in my head as being the important points, I was going to be okay with it. And the truth is, a lot of the points you you saw the sharks make, um, or, or will see if you haven't seen the episode, we enacted change to address a lot of those. It was things that I had been thinking about, and then mm-hmm. hear um, a, a professional um, with that experience say something similar it gives you extra motivation to make some of those changes. So there might be a positive out of this. Uh, they didn't uh, they didn't uh, give you the money, uh, you know, and you can question if I didn't ask for quite as much or I was going to give them a larger piece of the company, maybe they would be on. But apparently you did uh, get some advice from them that's helping you to continue on. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one was uh, just focusing on our on our products. Um, that we're doing the best for us rather than having too many, you know, and, and, and as a small business, you need to focus and on what makes you unique. And so we've really, we've done that. So yeah, absolutely. Lots of positives from it. So you're going to continue on with the, with the venture, Aaron, uh, Sacha Inchi will uh, continue oh, on. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of really big things happening, um, in the, in the early start to the, to new year. We're growing pretty fast. It's really exciting. Um, and, uh, and, and the business is at a much more sustainable point now in terms of cash flow and, yep. and being able to cover our expenses and things like that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's neat. We've got a lot of momentum. Well, d- did you see just that appearance, uh, on, of course, a nationally televised show 
that it it draws people to your website, grassrootsfoods.com. It, it draws them to that. Yeah, we had uh, we actually had a little watch party here where we put up on a big screen the uh, analytics, you know, the visitors basically to our website as they came in, and it was yeah. pretty amazing to see. Um, you know, we had basically over a hundred thousand people visit our website and Amazon um, over the you know the, the few days after Shark Tank. It was wow. it was pretty neat. That has to help as well with uh, just sales in terms of if you're pitching it to. Uh, um, well, I, I think you're in Whole Foods, but there's some other retail outlets out there as well, and you can go in there and say, "Hey, we run Shark Tank." Uh, that might help you get your foot in the door, might it not? Yeah, it absolutely does. It, it really does. People, um, you know, there's a certain. I think they recognize there's a, a selection process, a filtering that you have to go through to get there, and then um, they get to know you by watching the episode too. You know, buyers at different grocery oh, chains yeah. um, get to know you and, and may appreciate you in a different light. Any new products coming out at grassrootsfood.com? Maybe, uh, you know, something like a kind of a snack bar, granola bar, you know, mostly uh, what you have. You've got the, you know, the butters and the, and the nuts, but uh, kind of putting something together in a, in the form of a little, uh, something that you can, you know, a little snack, uh, bar. Yeah. Yeah. We're working on that. Um, I don't know if it'll be this year or next year, but the thing I'm most excited about right now is we, we just launched our dark chocolate coated um, Sacha and cheese seeds, almost you know, like a almost like a peanut M M&M, and M. Oh, nice! Uh, but, but actually, but actually, legitimately good for you. Um, and uh, so, I'm really excited about that product. And a lot of people have been trying it and and, and loving it. So, um, it's uh, and it's we partnered with this great chocolatier, so the chocolate is is super high quality right. and it's delicious. Well, you, you mentioned it's a seed, it's not a nut, but can you describe it, the shape? I mean, is it about the size of a peanut, an almond? Uh, uh, is yeah, it... it's, it's, it's a little bigger than a peanut. Oh, it is? Um, it's, yeah, yeah. So you would see it and you would absolutely think, okay, that's that's a nut. You know, and, yeah. and it, it's got this it's got this pretty great um, crunch to it, like a snappy crunch that's pretty unique to it. Do you um, roast it, Aaron? And, do you have to roast it? Yes. You do? Yes, they're roasted, yep. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, I'm not on your website right now, grassrootsfood.com, but do you have some flavored ones? Have you got some with, uh, you know, like chili lime or sriracha, any of that? Yeah, we've got some great flavors. We've got a salt and vinegar. We've got a honey mustard, a sweet heat, um, the dark chocolate that I mentioned. And uh, we're, we're coming out very soon with a uh, truffle parmesan. That we're really excited about, Ooh. like a nice cheesy truffley flavor that's very rich. Um, and then, of course, we've got our, our just kind of lightly salted the, the plain yeah. plain seeds as well. Well, well, and good luck with everything in the future, Charlie. Aaron. We re- wish you lots of luck. I appreciate you joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Uh, Aaron uh, Gilmore, my guest this afternoon. You can find out more information about his product, BrassRootsFood.com. I don't know if your dad's listening, but if you want to give him a shout-out, Aaron, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I will. Hey, hey Dad. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, probably later tonight. Bye. All right. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me here on Travels with Charlie.
Thanks, Charlie. Okay. Bye. All right. Good talking with you. All right. Stay tuned. Uh, coming up next, uh, my executive producer and friend, Brad Ferlin, who's also the host Mondays here at uh, WDEV of Vermont Viewpoint. He's going to be joining me in studio. And, well, we got to talk a little Super Bowl, and I'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts, not on the game. I don't do that stuff. But, you know, what was on the buffet last night? What about the halftime show? What about commercials? All of that. It's up for discussion next, right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Oh, too easy. You're going too easy on me, Corm. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Rolling Stones, which were 2006 halftime show, Super Bowl. And that came up as a number 14 on a list of the top 30 halftime shows of all time. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie and joining me in studio. And I can say this now, not just, you know, executive producer uh, for many years uh, with uh, with Charlie, but uh, now the host of Vermont Viewpoint every Monday here on WDEV. Brad Ferlin. Yeah. Hey, Charlie. Uh, you mentored me. Brought, <laughs> brought, brought. <laughs> Open the hand and grab the marble. <laughs> and, and, and now it's your regular gig every Monday. I, I know somebody on social media on uh, on Facebook said he's no longer Phil in Furland. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> A long list, and uh, they got to me, and it's really enjoyable and appreciative to Corm, station manager. Uh, makes it all easy, and Danny McKivergan, who's the producer for the show. Uh, it's really fun. And it sounds like you're having a good time doing it. Uh, so, you know, keep on doing that. And, and thanks for joining me here in studio, uh, this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Gotta talk a little. I always enjoyed, you know, the day after Super Bowl talking about the commercials and, and, and people love that. You know, that's the conversation the next day, unless you're really into sports and they go, well, that call was Brady Farkas will be covering all of that this evening here on WDEV. Let's hear from you this, uh, this afternoon, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255 halftime show. And I got to say this about the halftime show, because I know as we get older, and I know you brought it up earlier, Brad. It's like, well, you didn't like the show because you're in your 60s. I know people that are in their 40s that saw it and said, that was terrible. Uh, it was it was lip-synced, which most of them are, but not all, not all of them. Um, but a lot of what I've seen on social media, with the exception of the Fox News Channel, which, of course, their sister station, Fox, carried the uh, the, the the game, they were all, you know, in praise of the wonderful show that she did and the fact that she's levitating on this stage above above the field and, and she's doing that all the while she's pregnant. And I'm going, yeah, but where was the performance? It just, it for me, it, it didn't hit it. What are your thoughts? 244-1777-1877-291-8255. Am I an old... No, I think um, it was it was a little hard to watch, and and the you know if she had bungee jumped off it, <laughs> oh, yeah, right, <laughs> three minutes into it, I had been impressed. I'd say now we got a show, folks. But uh, so so let's go over this list. I found this list of uh, the top thirty halftime shows of all time. It's from avclub.com. Of course, it's subjective. It's you know their thoughts, but uh, and I don't have all of them here. But number twenty nine 
was back in 1997. It was the Blues Brothers with ZZ Top mm. and James Brown. Now, are we talking iconic? I mean, just yeah. think about that for a moment. Uh, number 27 happened in 1998. It was a salute to Motown with Diana Ross. Now, if you notice there's a pattern here, it's like, you know, these are people that can actually sing, hold a tune, and perform and don't need a thousand people around them to, to, you know, dance and jump up and down and, and, and pyrotechnics. Uh, uh, number 26 in 2011, the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, number 22, Shania Twain, No Doubt and Sting. That was in 2003. That's, uh, you know, one of my favorites. This is number 20 on the list. Happened in 2001. Aerosmith, Britney Spears, and in sync. Mm. So you you've got all this pop music together with rock and roll, hard you know heavy rockers, Aerosmith, and it was a real performance. People were singing. There was no lip syncing. That's the big difference. And of course, number nineteen on that list, uh, we all remember the infamous wardrobe malfunction, uh, and that's what everybody was talking about the next day because some people were like. If you were at a Super Bowl party that evening and watching that, everyone kind of looked and said, did that just happen? And it did. <laughs> and, and you know what we're talking about. It was referred to as Nipplegate, right? Oh, right. <laughs> 2005, Paul McCartney, Live and Let Die, Fireworks, amazing. That was uh, number 16 on the list. Number 14 on this list uh, happened in uh, 2006, and it was the Rolling Stones, as I mentioned. And one of the interesting things I noticed about that was that it was simply the Rolling Stones on stage, no pyrotechnics, nothing else. It was Mick and Keith and, and uh, you know, Ronnie Wood and Charlie Watts, and that was it. Uh, just clean rock and roll. They didn't need to be lifted up, you know, 100 feet uh, above the stage and... You know, one of them's pregnant. You know, it didn't have that. Didn't have to happen. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that would have been news. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Mars in 2014 was another great show. Uh, that was number eight on the list. Well, let's move it all the way up to number one and number two. This is where all those people go. Was go. No, that wasn't number one. That couldn't be number three. 2002 was U2. This was very important. It was right after September 11th. They had the names of people that had died up on a wall. Uh, number two happened in 2007. Prince, amazing show, In the Rain, I remember that. And number one happened in 2013. It was Beyonce. Maybe I'm just not a big fan of Beyonce. I know Destiny's Child came out with her, and I guess we're all supposed to be excited, but... Not for me. I don't know. Anyway, I'm taking credit for the win last night uh, with Kansas City because we had ribs on the uh, on the menu, and I've always done this. You know, you, you pay homage to the team with with your food. Uh, so I take if you're a if you're a Chiefs fan, you can thank me. We had ribs. Uh, Although I, I, I did want to have a cheesesteak too, so, you know, I was kind of, you know, pulled both ways there. <laughs> what was on your menu last night, Brad? Well, my son, and we, and he's 29 years old, so we talked about the, the commercials and the halftime, and I'm saying, hey, is it just me, or, you know, yeah. and, and he wasn't, he wasn't overwhelmed by the commercials. He did barbecue ribs and chicken wings, and it was really awesome. Well, barbecue. So you can, we can thank uh, your son as well for the win, uh, Kansas City. 
Thanks for joining me here in studio today. Thanks to my guest today. Thank you for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Our next show, February 27th, with the author Jim D. Filippi in his first book based on a true story, 40 Steps to Old Sparky. Uh, Travels with Charlie is sponsored by Casella Waste, Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne Travel, and Myers Bagel Cafe. Theme song written and performed by Billy Bratcher. My executive producer, Brad Ferlin. Running the board, Steve Cormier. I'm Charlie Papillo, and I'll see you in my travels. <laughs> <laughs>